0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. It remains a tense time. There is a fragile ceasefire holding in Gaza, and I think we can all be grateful for that. And soon we pray that Israelis will once again be able to live their lives without the fear of rocket fire and without nights and shelters and with active war temporarily suspended. And soon we pray the citizens of Gaza will also be able to live their lives without the crushing reality and fear of living in a war zone. As the acrid dust settles and military weapons are set aside, this conflict's other weapons, words and rhetoric and noxious ideas are being wielded with ferocity I want to touch on one of those briefly because it offends my Jewish soul and my Zionist devotions and the notion of clear and reasonable thinking. I'm reacting here to a Facebook post of someone who was once a dear teacher of mine in rabbinical school. I attribute some of my own skills in deciphering and applying rabbinic texts to his methods and his tutelage. He's a scholar. When it comes to his thoughts on the Middle East— I found him hard I find him hard to countenance both his ideas and the manner in which he wields them and curates his online presence This past week he wondered about whether Mayor Kahana was actually dead Now for context for those who do not immediately recognize the reference Rabbi Mayor Kahana was an extremist almost certainly a racist and a dangerous rabble rouser from the far right. He co-founded the JDL, the Jewish Defense League in the 70s. He made Aliyah. He founded an extreme right political party. He was elected to Knesset. And he and his party were ultimately banned from Israeli politics because of that extremism. Now, while some of what he understood about the implacable nature of Israel's foes rang true then and still does today, He is almost universally regarded by most mainstream Jewish community and leaders, even in Israel, as beyond the pale. He is reviled. His love of Judaism and Israel, which was admirable, extended to true hatred of Arabs, which is indefensible. Kahanism is understood to be the most odious, the most absolutist, hatred and racism-rich expression of Zionism and the defense of Jews. When used as a disparaging reflection on a particular idea or politician, it should rightly be reserved for the extreme. And yet, Kahanism is experiencing a revival in two chilling and disturbing ways. In most of the media and the treatment of the issue by mainstream Jews, however, only one of them is getting attention. And that is the resurgence of Kahanist elements in some parts of the extreme right in Israel and around Israeli politics. In addition to long-established cities and towns in the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, whose future is still yet to be determined, there are also settler outposts or hilltops, illegally established, and most often by groups that are at least somewhat ideologically attached to Kahanism. Again, their love for Israel is nearly matched by their contempt for Arabs and Palestinian rights and dignity. I think this does a deep disservice to Zionism. I think it's a blot on Israel's complexion. This revival of Kahanism gets plenty of attention, and perhaps deservedly so. The other revival is more subtle, as it comes by means of an accusation, often unearned, and reeking of hyperbole, and the kind of hyperbole that comes from either lazy thinking or contemptuous thinking or both. It comes when someone, usually on the left, wants to besmirch a notion attached to the Jewish or Zionist right, a notion which used to be considered rather fundamental in the discussion of the Jewish condition, but which now some want to move beyond the pale. One of those notions? Winning a war. Defeating an enemy. Those used to be rather grounded concepts, and they still are, unless one of the ones waging the war is the Israeli, and the identified enemy is the enemy of the Jew. But slap the kahanist tag on it, and even those notions are instantly ugly, other, unevolved, and they deserve to be blotted out like Amalek. The post I mentioned before stated that Kahanism was now to be found in the mainstream Newsweek magazine, what was the offense? A few lines of text written by Abraham Miller, who is a distinguished fellow at the Chaim Solomon Center. What did he write? Offensive words such as, quote, an intractable enemy must be destroyed. And other ostensibly indefensible notions such as, quote, the cost of war must be so great that Hamas will not be able to not be able to repeat its periodic foray of violence, its continual mobilization of wars of attrition. Terrible, right? This author has the audacity to write that it would be good for the world, and good for Israel, for Hamas to be defeated and stripped stripped of its power. And then the coup de grace. Miller wrote, "If the dog is to survive." then the fleas must be destroyed in their earliest stages. That was the winner for my former teacher. Instant Kahanism. Miller referred to Hamas, and thus by extension, obviously, all Arabs and all Muslims and all non-Zionists has fleas. A dehumanization of the other. It has Meir kahana written all over it. Except, of course, it was just a metaphor, and a rather apt one, and one in which Israel and the Zionist and the Jew is the dog, another animal. So if comparing Hamas to fleas was Kahanism was comparing the Jew to dogs Nazism, this way of thinking is more than silly. This is dangerous and it is subtle, and it is gaining traction. Kahanism used to be considered the worst of the worst of Jewish ethnocentrism, an expression of Jewish identity dripping with hate and racism. Devoid of ethics. And now, is winning a war Kahanism? Is defeating an enemy? Is even saying you have an enemy Kahanism? Is believing the enemy when they say they want to destroy you Kahanism? Was the US involvement in World War II naming the Nazis as enemies and defeating them Kahanism? Is it Kahanism to say that we celebrate? That, in 1948, that Israel defeated their existential enemies and won the won the war, Is it Kahanism to say that we are glad that the six-day war with Israel once again defending its existential reality against sworn enemies ended with the IDF victorious. Is that Kahanism? Is it Kahanism, Kahn, Kahanism to celebrate that the enemy armies were defeated? Is it kahanism to say that Jew hatred is real and vile and should be defeated rather than tolerated? Is it kahanism to say that rockets raining down on civilian areas as Hamas tries to defend Jerusalem, a city which we know, if they ever were truly to return to and occupy and defend, would rather instantly and rather bloodily be removed of all its Jews? Is it Kahanism to say we should try to stop that by most means necessary? Is it Kahanism to say that anti-Israel sentiment has morphed into or perhaps reverted to classic and ugly anti-Semitism, and that that is a very, very bad thing? Most of us are aware of the terrifying incident that happened this past week at a sushi restaurant on La Sienega less than a mile from Beth A convoy of cars waving Palestinian flags and hurling anti-Semitic insults approached a group of diners eating outdoors. They asked if any of the diners were Jewish. Some responded yes, and they responded by beating and kicking them and assaulting them because they admitted to being a Jew. Now, had the convoy been Jews and Zionists, and had they asked if anyone were an Arab or a Muslim, and had they proceeded to attack them, that would be Kahanism par excellence. And it would also be all over the news, which this incident, which actually did happen, has not been. But is it Kahanism to say that that stream of pro Palestinian advocacy that goes searching for Jews to assault as they eat their di- dinners al fresco must be identified and countered and yes, defeated? To some, sadly, tragically, the answer is yes. To some, for a Jew to defend herself is Kahani adjacent. And to them, I would say, guilty as charged. And I would also say that this is preposterous, and it is a bizarre, misplaced nostalgia for an era in which Jews could not, did not defend themselves. An era in which Hamas and Amalek were dominant, And the Jew cowered and prayed and hoped. How easy and how devious it is to slap on the Kahani label or the racist label and then assess anyone's vigorous defense against that slander as proof that the slander is accurate. And yet it is happening. It endangers Jews and it endangers the Jewish state and it endangers Judaism. And it makes it harder to identify true Kahanism when it actually does rear its head. In fact, is it Kahanism to say that Kahanism is evil and must be defeated? Just wondering. I'm a rabbi. I live and breathe Jewish peoplehood and Jewish text. And I like to make nearly all of my teaching filter through the wisdom of our tradition. This week it is the Nitziv. Rabbi Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, the 19th century sage, who speaks to me. He is commenting on the well-known verse from Parshat Naso, our Parsha, this week that begins the beloved priestly blessing, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, May God bless you and guard you. And the netziv wonders about the connection between the blessing and the guarding. Why are they in the same verse? His insight... Applicable to so much in life is that anything that is a blessing deserves and needs protection, otherwise, it will be perverted or lost. He gives the example of a student who is blessed with Torah but must guard it against arrogance and desecrations of God's name, and he gives the example of wealth, which can be a blessing but much, but which must be guarded against theft by others and misuse by the self. I extend the Natsiv's imagery to Jewish sovereignty and Jewish power and Jewish security and the Jewish state. I believe all four are profound blessings, and I believe that all four must be guarded on two sides. They must be guarded against true kahanism. Versions of them that are weaponized to conjure enemies that do not exist, or whose true character is far more benign than Kahanism makes them out to be. The protection of the Jew cannot be the pretense for the hatred or demonization or mistreatment of the other. We must protect against that. But Jewish sovereignty and Jewish power and Jewish security and the Jewish state must also be protected against those who are embarrassed of them, or who downplay their import, or worse, who demonize them and are committed to eliminating them. There are forces in the world that do not think that Jews eating dinner on La Cienega or in their apartments in Ashkelon deserve protection by Jews or by others. There are forces in the world who deem that protection to be itself extremist and kahanist. For these rare blessings to be preserved, for our people to be protected, those forces must be confronted and, yes, defeated. If not, the blessings will be gone sooner than we can possibly imagine. Yehi aleinu. May there be peace upon us and the entire world. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to TBA. LA.org.